Thank you, Anne and Susan. Those are uh, exciting opportunities. So we're excited about this partnership with uh, Shepherd's Pantry and feel like it's a great opportunity for us to uh, be more involved in helping the, the poor and the needy in our community and in the uh, surrounding communities. So just keep those things in mind, and I hope that you'll uh, find it in your heart to volunteer or to donate, and it's a wonderful opportunity. As John mentioned, today is Halloween, so happy Halloween. And uh, if you are passing out candy this, uh, this evening, uh, have fun. If you're dressing, out, uh, dressing up and going and get, getting candy, more power to you. Uh, that sounds even better. And uh, so have fun. Um, when I was a kid, this is my favorite Halloween uh, when I was a kid. Uh, w- as many of you know, I grew up on a farm. And a couple miles from where I grew up, there was an abandoned farmhouse. And you could go in this house any time of year, and it was spooky. I mean, you'd go in, and there was dishes in the kitchen sink. The bed was unmade, and the clothes laying on the floor. It looked like the people had just been kidnapped out of this place. And so on Halloween one year, my parents decided that uh, they'd invite the youth group out uh, on Halloween night, and they'd walk through this old abandoned house. But then my parents hid in the closet and jump out, boo! And, uh, <laughs> and, they'd, uh, and they'd scare, there was no need to decorate the place, it already looked spooky, and it was my, that's my best uh, Halloween memory. It was, it was a blast, it was fun. A lot of kids were freaking out that night. Some of them came to Jesus because they, uh, they saw their, laugh, uh, their life flash before their eyes. And some of them probably left the church, but either way, it was a good time. Uh, but, um, so happy Halloween. Now, just to make the very smooth transition into our sermon today, uh, the, text, the topic we're going to deal with today in the sermon, I think is a very relevant and actually pretty difficult question. Uh, what we're going to do, you know, we're in this series, The God of Miracles. I want to wrestle with this morning, how do we believe in miracles in a scientific age? Because oftentimes, miracles and science, uh, it's, it's hard to reconcile those two things. And so to set the stage, I want to read a uh, paragraph from the opening pages of a book called the Atheist's Guide to Reality. Now, obviously, I'm not recommending this book, but it helps us uh, get started as we consider these things today. Listen to what this book uh, by this atheist says. There's so much more to atheism than its knockdown arguments that there is no God. There is the whole rest of the worldview that comes along with atheism. It's a demanding, rigorous, breathtaking grip on reality, one that has been vindicated beyond reasonable doubt. It's called science. And so what this author is saying is, if you are scientific in your worldview, then you cannot believe in God. You cannot believe that miracles would happen. And many today would agree with that. That science stands in opposition to God. Science is based on facts, and Christianity or or miracles are based on faith. And science is grounded in evidence, and belief in God is without foundation. 
And so my question is, is that true? And how can we reconcile these two things together? Can we believe in miracles in a scientific age? And can you believe, can you uh, believe, be a Christian and believe in God and trust in science? These are the questions that I want to talk about today. And so the reason this comes to mind is even since uh, Paul and Shizuka sat up here on their stage and shared about the miracle that God did in Shizuka's life, I've talked to several people that just uh, have the hardest time getting their mind around that because they can't come up with a scientific explanation that science rules the day. And so this is what it's boiled down to. Many Christians are seen as anti-science and scientists are seen as anti-God. For what it's worth, and I'll just make this observation to begin with, for what it's worth, our modern scientific method was actually developed by Christians during the 13th century. So, so when we think of the, the, what we're calling science today, when we think of scientific method and empirical evidence and all of these things, it gets traced back to two Franciscan monks by the name of Roger Bacon and William of Ockham. And then many Christians followed their lead to begin to, uh, be, to, begin to study things scientifically. And the foundation, the reason they moved in that direction was because they reasoned that God was a creator and a sustainer of the universe, and he was a God of order and purpose, and therefore the creation could be studied with order and purpose. And so they began to come up with what we would call natural laws, scientific laws, and they wrote science books to explain them. Now this morning we're not looking at the Bible as a science book per se. Like the Bible, we need to understand that sometimes we think, well, this doesn't, this doesn't, this isn't helpful. It doesn't read like a science book. Well, it's not meant to be a science book. So if we approach it from that angle, we're going to be deeply disappointed. But the Bible has something to say on all things. It gives us a perspective, a grid in which to uh, look at the questions that arise in our minds. And so this morning, I'm going to turn to, we're going to turn to Isaiah 1, Isaiah chapter 1, uh, not because it's speaking directly towards science, but it gives us principles around which we can wrestle with the questions today. I'm going to read Isaiah 1, 16 through 18, and then I'm going to jump down in the chapter and I'm going to read verses 29 through 31. This is Isaiah 1, starting in verse 16. Wash, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds before your eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Now verse 18 is the, the key verse that we're going to start here with and uh, look at it in context. But verse 18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. And then jumping down to verse 29, You will be ashamed because of the sacred oaks in which you have delighted. 
You will be disgraced because of the gardens you have chosen. You will be like an oak with fading leaves, like a garden without water. The mighty man will become tender and his work a spark. Both will work together with no one to quench the fire. Okay, I know that's, we got some unpacking to do, uh, but let's go before the Lord and ask for his help. Father God, we turn now to your word because these are difficult questions that we're wrestling with today. And, uh, and these, are, these are real things that uh, pop up into our mind, even stir up doubt in our minds and our hearts. And so God, we ask that you would come and be our teacher, give us clarity, uh, not just to sweep things under the rug, but to arrive at truth and perspective that helps us to get a better grasp on the world that you have created. And so we ask that you would be our teacher now and come and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, I want to start in verse 18. And uh, verse 18, God says here, Come now, let us reason together. And the reason I just want to uh, uh, pause at that statement right there is because I just want to point out that God is not opposed to reason. That God is not opposed to logic or rationality. Like Christianity is not anti-intellectual. Uh, that God wants us to use our minds and to think deeply about things. And so God says, let's look at these things logically. Let's reason together. And when it comes to uh, studying miracles in a scientific age, we want to look at things logically. We're, we're entering into a world of facts. We want to reason and uh, look at these things together. And so to look at miracles logically and holistically... The first thing I want to point out is that we need to uh, approach this subject uh, with different uh, perspective, with coming from different angles. And what I, would, what I mean by that is that science gives us a certain perspective on events, but it isn't the whole picture. Science is like a map. It's very reliable. It can tell us many things, but it isn't meant to tell us everything. And so to help illustrate this, I was able to track down a map of California. This is actually Pastor Darren's map. And uh, you wouldn't be believe how hard it is to find a map anymore. You know, with GPS on our phones, we don't really use maps anymore. Uh, but maps, uh, now California is big enough that it fits on the front and the back, back of this AAA map. And uh, we can learn a lot of things by the map. And so, for example, up on the screen here, uh, here's, our, here's our map of California. You know, I can, I can uh, figure out how to go from Los Angeles to Sacramento on this map. Like, we could, if we could see it better, we could figure out what freeways to take, right? And right up here is in the, you can, I don't even know if you can see this, but in this, uh, I can't see this, so I'm guessing, this is probably Sequoia National Forest, right? This green uh, right in here somewhere. There you go. Oh, wow. Thank you, Andrew. That's, uh, uh, Andrew's on the ball here. Uh, or Kylie or whoever did that. Thank you. And, uh, and then obviously there, uh, the, the ocean is, is over here. So this map can tell us a lot. It can tell us where things are and how to get there, but it can't tell us everything. Now, obviously the... This map is not going to tell me what color the leaves are in the forest. 
And it can't tell me uh, what the ocean breezes feel like when you're standing on the coast. And uh, it's not going to tell me what In-N-Out burger to eat on my way to Sacramento or what that burger is going to taste like or how it's going to smell. Have you ever noticed that uh, you, you don't even have to have your eyes open to know you're getting close to an In-N-Out? Uh, you can smell that from blocks away. Uh, but a map's not going to tell you that. Uh, a map is a reliable source of information, but it doesn't tell you everything. It doesn't give you a, whole, it doesn't give you a picture of the territory, of reality around you. Now, throughout history, people have known that there are natural laws, certain things that can be mapped out that govern the universe, things we can put on paper. This is the way things are. But they have also recognized that God has created this world with natural order, but that it is then, if he's the creator, it's his prerogative to be able to act outside of those natural laws. And so this is precisely why we call miracles the supernatural. We're not idiots. We know that this is outside of the normal way, the natural way of things happening. We recognize that there is a natural way, but there is also, uh, there have also consistently been throughout history and in different uh, parts of the world, things that could not be explained according to natural ways. And people have experienced supernatural events. One of the positive things, because we're trying to come at this intellectually to begin with, one of the positive things that's coming out of academic institutions right now is a shift away from the idea that science rules out, of the, out the supernatural. Okay, so uh, this change comes from a move from what they've called modernism to postmodernism. In modernism, the idea was that science ruled everything. It was cause and effect. It was fact. It, it, it was, it was uh, looking at things and, and uh, understanding them according to science. But in a postmodern uh, mindset, every worldview is a social construct. Which, to be, to be honest, I, I think there's some truth there. You see, in other words, people uh, are recognizing that we all have maps, but we don't all have the territory. We can't see everything all at once. And so what's happening in academic circles is that anthropologists and those that study culture are recognizing that it is illegitimate to take our Western anti-supernatural map and try to translate it and try to translate other people's experiences into our categories. To understand a people group or a culture, you have to take off your perspective and understand it from the inside. And so some academics have sought to do this. They've tried to go into other cultures and tribes and uh, other areas of the world that have a different perspective on things and lay aside their own worldview and their own perspectives to understand it from the inside. And what's interesting is that being published in academic journals are uh, examples of how the supernatural does exist and how things are happening that can't be explained simply by science. You see, there are some things that happen that don't have a scientific explanation. 
Like, I want to go back to the text here for a moment. Uh, I look, when I look at verse 18, where God says, Come now, let us reason together. Then he goes on to say, Though your, skins are like, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. That's not a scientific statement, but it's true. You see, there are things like forgiveness and love and mercy and grace that can't be measured scientifically. Like scientists can measure the chemical reactions in the, way, in the brain uh, when someone experiences love or feels love, but that's not love. Love is much more bigger and more beautiful than that, right? Like love is, is greater than what we can test scientifically. And so the prophet, in light of that, he goes on to say, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. In other words, caring for the vulnerable and the weak, that doesn't make sense if all we have is a scientific map. To, care, uh, to, to take on a scientific map a in a Darwinian world of the survival of the fittest, it would make no sense to defend the fatherless, to, to care for the, the widow, for, to help the helpless. In fact, we've seen the survival of the fit, what a survival of the fittest society looks like in our world. It happened in Nazi Germany, and it ended with gas chambers. You see, we, we, deep, we know deep down inside that we are to treat people with love and fairness and kindness and compassion. And all of that comes from God, and we, we receive that by faith. All I'm saying is we approach these things from different angles, from different perspectives. I'm not saying that science is bad. In fact, I'm saying I, I think science is good. It's from God. God has given it to us. But, all, but what I am saying is if all we have is a scientific map, then it's a distorted picture of reality. You see, if all we have is a scientific perspective, then yeah, we're going to be dumbfounded when we hear things like God healing a, a woman who is on her deathbed. That's not going to make any sense. We need to uh, develop, we need to uh, approach reality with different maps. Science itself, let me just say one more thing about science, and, and that is that science itself is evolving. You know, what is believed in science is not uh, 500 years ago is different than uh, what is believed today. So, and that makes sense. All our knowledge in all kinds of fields evolves. But the reason this stands out is because uh, so much of science is governed by the idea of evolution. And uh, if we were to take natural, uh, naturalistic evolution, uh, it means that our perspective and our understanding of reality will grow over time. Let me point out a verse uh, here in Isaiah 1 uh, again. This is verse 29. Remember where God said, you will be ashamed because of the sacred oaks in which you have delighted. There are so many things that uh, in, in uh, the world of sci and scientific theories that are held up as sacred. It's fact. It's a done deal. I wonder if some of those things we will be ashamed of in 
future generations. How in the world did we believe that? I'm not saying everything. I'm not saying it's bogus. I'm just wondering is, as our, uh, as our understanding evolves and grows, if we will have a different perspective on things. Okay, so let me, ta- let me give you an illustration. And uh, please don't read into this illustration too much. Uh, this is just an illustration. Uh, naturalistic evolution, as I said, it teaches that we uh, grow and evolve over time. Just out of curiosity, I looked this up. If you believe uh, in naturalistic evolution, our brains, the way we are in 2021, have developed to the size they are now uh, from a, I don't know how to word this, but you'll get what I'm trying to say, uh, have developed from a, the size of a dog's brain. It's taken 95 million years. So 95 million years ago, our, our, our brains were the size of a dog's brain, and uh, now we have much more complicated, intricate, uh, understanding brains. Now here's my dog. I got a very cute little uh, dog named Blake. And Blake's a smart little dog. He knows uh, if he wants a uh, piece of chicken at dinner, he knows not to uh, throw a fit or, or, to, uh, or to bark or get all excited. He just simply comes and he lays your head on your lap, on, on your lap and you can't resist. You just got to give him a piece of chicken. And uh, Blake knows as soon as I walk into the bedroom, get off my side of the bed or I'm going to kick you off. Blake knows certain things. He's a smart, but your dog may be very smarter than Blake because uh, he knows no tricks. <laughs> I love Blake. I've never loved a dog like I love our dog, uh, but uh, Blake's a good little dog. But I don't trust him to help my kids with their homework, and I don't trust him to do my taxes, obviously, Right? And I wonder if we give it another 95 million years, what we look at today will seem as silly as what my dog knows. You see, science is evolving. Things, are, our understanding are evolving. All I'm saying is let's stay humble in all of these things because there may be things out there that are beyond our perspective right now. We've got a map, each of us individually, by which we understand, but sometimes things happen that don't fit into our map. And that's because God is bigger than what we can get our minds around. There are certain things that God can do that are greater than our understanding, our own experience. And once in a while, God breaks in and he does something that causes us to step back and go, whoa, I didn't know that was possible. Now, if we stick to the map that we already have, we've got to write it off somehow. But if we've got uh, an understanding that, hey, there may be something more out there than what we can understand, then it gives us the possibility to grow. Isaiah 1, uh, 31 says, The mighty man will become tender, and his work a spark. Both will burn together with no one to quench the fire. God is bigger than what we can get our minds around. And some things on the map of science uh, won't be there many years from now. You see, all of us have maps, but our perspectives are limited. So we must maintain humility to understand that God can do things that we might not be able to logically explain. But God's word is trustworthy, and it reveals who he is, and it reveals his ways. And so we study it, and we seek to understand it. But we also know that the depths of God's word and who he is, as much as we might think we know God right now, 
There's more to know. There's more to understand. So we all come to this table with a great amount of humility. The last thing I want to say today is that um, sane, rational, intelligent, trusted people have experienced things that cannot be explained in any other way than to say that a miracle happened. Like Shizuka's miracle is outside of our naturalistic understanding. But does that mean it happened? No. Like we know it happened. We saw it happen. Paul and Shizuka are not uh, strangers that we Weirdos, we got off the street, brought them in, you know. Hey, here's some people that got a great story. Let's get them up here. These are, Paul, Paul's been in the church his whole life. <laughs> some of you had Paul when he was just a little kid and you had him in Sunday school class, right? Anyone here had Paul in Sunday school class? There you go. We can trust Paul. <laughs> I married Paul in Shizuka. Uh, some of you visited Shizuka's on her deathbed. Like these are not uh, weirdos that we can't trust. These are people that we know and love and that are believable. And either they're really good con artists and have been taking us to town for decades, or something has happened that we can't explain just through scientific method. All I'm saying is, is there are things that once in a while God does that we just have to step back and say, Holy cow, there's things out there that, that are beyond my uh, intellectual understanding. When Shizuka met with the doctors after she had been healed in the, in the doctor's office, she said this a couple weeks ago, uh, the doctors and the nurses were all lined up and she, uh, she, she was telling them how she had been healed. And, uh, and as you can imagine, <laughs> there's a lot of silence in the room and until some... Tears started to flow down cheeks, and one person says, now I know what to say to my patients who have no hope. And then until another one said, there's no other explanation than that a miracle has happened. You see, sometimes our worldview gets shattered because God is bigger than what we can get our minds around. There's a TV show. It's not my favorite TV show, but I'll say, but I give this as an illustration. Have you ever seen the show uh, House MD? Uh, Dr. House is this uh, gruff, kind of tell-it-as-it-is uh, type of doctor. Uh, and uh, in this one particular episode, Dr. House is meeting with his patient. This, this story came to mind because of uh, my thinking of Shizuka meeting with her doctors in the, in the hospital. Dr. House is meeting with, her patient, with his patient, and the patient is an actress, an artist, and, uh, and, he's, uh, and then he gives in a very, in his own typical way, a, a very straightforward, this is the way you have it. Uh, this is the way it is. And for Dr. House, science is the only map. And he says, I think you just figured out you're mortal. Just a bag of cells and waste with an expiration date. You wanted to act out. You wanted people to notice. Maybe you even prayed for a different answer. I have a title for your next piece. It doesn't mean anything. Now, most people aren't that blunt and straightforward. But if, but if science is your only map, this is your worldview. 
This is how we must look at everything. We're simply a bag of cells and waste with an expiration date. It doesn't mean anything. But I think all of us, no matter if we believe there is a God or, or, or not, uh, deep down inside, we understand that that can't be true. Life has got more meaning than that. God, and, and that's because I think God has created us in his image. And he's given us a wonderful, beautiful world to enjoy. And God has shown us that not all things can be measured through science. Things like love and forgiveness and compassion. Romans 5.5 5 says that God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. You see, we are his pride and joy. So don't be surprised if every once in a while, every blue moon, God comes in and he does something unexpected. See, can we explain miracles in a scientific age? No, we, we can't if all we have is a scientific map. But if we get a different map, if we lay another map on top of that other map and we look at it all together, if we reason together and get a different perspective, if we get a spiritual, theological map that includes information about God and His power and His love and His ways, then yes, yes, we can comprehend how miracles can happen in a scientific age. You see, this is the world that we live in. This is the territory that is around us. It's God's world, in, uh, one in which once in a while we get a glimpse of his glory as he breaks in with the supernatural. I'm going to invite the prayer counselors to uh, come forward now. And uh, as they come, I have a feeling some of you may just be inclined to say, I want a little bit more of that kind of a relationship with God. I want God to uh, come and reveal himself to us, to me, in, in that way. I want, God, I want an inbreaking of the Spirit. And if you do, I just encourage you to come forward and to uh, pray with one of these uh, prayer counselors. I already met a, man, I already met a, a gentleman here this morning, and I'm, I'm trying to identify him right now, but he told me that today is his spiritual birthday. He told me he got saved on Halloween in 1981. And uh, to me, that's the greatest miracle. The fact that we were once dead in our sins, we were separated from God, and God can come into us and, and uh, show us who he is. He can breathe new life into us. And maybe this morning you're ready to say, I don't understand it all, but I want to experience God more this morning. If you're here and you want to receive Jesus into your life today, come and uh, talk with one of these prayer counselors and they would uh, love to uh, pray for you. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for who you are. God, uh, I stand up here and I try to speak with as much authority as I can, but God, I know you're way bigger than I could ever get my mind around. And God, you're so much better. You're so much more beautiful. And God, I pray that you would please just expand our map. Help us just to see things about you that, that we might not uh, know about or comprehend right now. God, just awaken our spirits.
Oh, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are, there are things that can't be measured with cause and effect. Thank you for things like love and forgiveness, for mercy and grace and compassion. Thank you that you've moved in our hearts and you continue to move and reveal yourself every day. And God, help us not to resist your spirit. Help us even right now as we close the service, as we sing this last song, as we come to receive prayer. God, uh, help us just to open ourselves up to whatever you would have for us. God, this world can't be all there is. We know that deep down inside. God, there's more to it, that, that there is a kingdom that is unseen, that you are great and you are powerful. And God, may we have more and more of you in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.